Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. We're talking out of Psalms 23 and talking how the Lord is our shepherd and that in our lives we will sometimes have enemies come to our table. And what do we do when those enemies come to our table and how do we respond to that? And we've talked about the enemy of lack and not having enough financially. We've talked about kind of sickness and disease and discouragement. Today I want to talk about the enemy of pressure. Pressure. And I'll build that out kind of as the message goes. But for those of you who are taking notes, this is a good place to start. If you're not taking notes, still a good place to start. Um, Everything you need for the public place is found in your secret place. Everything I need for the public place is found in my secret place. Uh, We see Jesus kind of talking about this principle a lot, but not just talking about it, demonstrating it. We'll see an example of this in Luke 5 later on in the sermon. Um, But Jesus emphasized the secret place, to pray in secret, to worship in secret, to fast in secret. He emphasized the secret place. We see an example when he is facing pressure in his own life. There was a moment in Jesus' life where he faced the pressure of obedience, the pressure of being the savior of the world, uh, which, uh, you know, some of you are saving Thanksgiving and you feel the pressure of making the correct turkey. Uh, Imagine the pressure of saving the whole world. Uh, And Jesus is facing this pressure. And what do we see him do in this moment of pressure? He does not turn inward. Uh, He does not say, I'll man up, and I'll just face it, and I'll conquer it, and I'll rise and slay, and all these types of things. No, he presses into the Father in prayer. We see him praying, and we say this a lot, but it's so good, we'll just keep saying it a lot. He's praying, and prayers get previews. Um, When you pray, you sow towards the Spirit, and when you sow towards the Spirit, you reap from the Spirit, and one of the things the Spirit will give you is showing you things to come. Um, Jesus said he would do that, and how many of you know Jesus is not a liar? Um, Prayers get previews, and so Jesus is praying, and one day he gets a preview of Peter, and he sees Peter going through a moment of pressure where his faith will be tried and his faith will be on display. And in this moan of pressure, he sees Peter cracking. He sees it not going well for Peter in the short term, that his, uh, his flesh will be sifted like wheat, where you take the valuable part of you and you separate it from the invaluable um, and the things that are not valuable and you're just left uh, with what remains, like this, this period of kind of a tearing away. And he sees this in the life of Peter, so he comes to Peter and he tells him this. And Peter's like, no. And like you see him get more dogmatic in the flesh. I will never deny you. 
Like, no, this will not happen. I'll, I'll just, in my, I'll say no, in my flesh, I'll do better. Have any of you done that with like Doritos? It's like, no more, and then your hand's in the bag again. Like, all of these kinds of things. Like, so we know what it's like to like, I'll do better. I'll be better. I'll try harder. I'll say no more. This is Peter. He's very determined. He's like, I will never deny you. And Jesus says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Pray, what is that? Get in the secret place. Pray that you enter not into temptation. Your secret place has what you need for your public place. Everything you need for the, for the public place is found in the secret place. And so Jesus presses in to the Father in prayer. And he receives strength from heaven to run his race. He receives strength from heaven that allows him to follow through on the pressure and not crack. Uh, Peter does not enter into the secret place. Jesus walks out, and every time he walks out, he sees Peter sleeping. He is succumbing to the flesh. He's not going to the secret place. He's not drawing strength from heaven. And he expects to win in his public place while not having any time in his secret one. Come on, somebody. He expects to win in his public place without having any time spent in his secret one. I'll just, I'll be the parent I need to be today. I'll be the boss I need to be today. I'll be whoever I need to, I'll do better. I'll say no to temptation today. I'm expecting to win in my public place without spending any time in my secret one. And, of course, Peter cracks, and his flesh is limited. And when the pressure comes in Peter's life, it leads to a moment of shame. It leads to a moment of, how could I have taken my life here? It leads to his public um, place crumbling beneath him. It looks like his ministry is over. Um, it looks like his, his future call in ministry is done. His confidence his reputation, all these things look broken. He has denied the Lord. So weak in the flesh when he thought himself to be so strong that he denied the Lord in front of a little child and their accusation that he was a Christ follower. And we see him so disappointed. The Bible says he was so disappointed in his flesh that it says he went out and wept bitterly. He has this moment where he's just so disappointed in, in, in himself. And what's he disappointed in? He's disappointed in his performance in the public place. Um, and have you ever been disappointed in your performance in the public place? Like, I need to be a better mom. <laughs> like, I need to be more patient. I need to be kinder. Um, this past week, I felt a lot of pressure in the public place. I don't know why. It was just one of those times. And, of course, if you go to Word of Life, you know I'll always be very vulnerable because the only life I have to preach from is mine. Uh, I know my life better than I know yours, and I'm comfortable telling my stories, and I don't know if you're comfortable with me telling yours. And so I'll just I'll, I'll ter tell my examples. Um, and uh, this week... Uh, and honestly, in this season, I have felt the pressure, and somebody says, well, what do you mean felt the pressure? The pressure to just be good. And somebody says, well, what do you mean by, to be a good father, like to not just um, cook a dinner, but to be present while eating it. 
um, to not just, you know, like tell a kid what to do, but to take the time to connect and instruct a kid in what to do. The pressure to be a good father. Um, I felt the pressure to be a good husband. I, I felt the pressure to be a good son, like call, <laughs> check in. Uh, the pressure to be a good grandson. Um, my, my grandmother is, is wrestling with mental issues and, and to go take groceries and to make sure she's taking her medication. Uh, the pressure to be a good boss. Uh, the pressure to have... Um, all the wisdom needed for a meeting. Uh, the pressure to preach, to have something to say. Uh, the pressure um, to provide um, Thanksgiving. I don't know if any of you feel these things, but like the, the pressure to actually like make sure everybody's dish is on the table and pay for it. Uh, the pressure of Christmas. Uh, my kids have expectations. Other people have expectations. The pressure I put on myself, I like to give to the Lord during Christmas. Um, and I, I have a giving project that's on my heart for what I'd like to do personally for my family. And I felt the pressure of like moving around finances for that. Pressure, pressure, pressure. The pressure to be good. And then, of course, when we don't live up to that expectation, we get disappointed in ourselves, and we have these Peter-type moments where it's like, why was I so short there? Uh, and you go out and you have your weep, wet, bitterly moments. It's like, why did I get so agitated over that? Like, why, why in that meeting did I really let my flesh show? Like, and, and you have these moments where you kind of pull back, and, and then you, you go, and you're, you're in bed, and it's like, I'll be nicer tomorrow, or oh, I'll be more present tomorrow. And we, we go through this cycle of, like, Peter of, like, I'll do better. I promise I won't. I promise I will. I promise I'll do this. And it's like we have all this pressure to be good in the public place. Not realizing that everything we need for the public place is sustained in the secret one. Oh, come on, somebody. And so out of this, um, Tuesday, I, I was coming out of my office here at Lakeland, and I'm shutting the door on another day of work, uh, going to a dinner appointment, um, and then after that, headed home, and I feel it, like it, the day was full, um, and, and full of all good things, um, meetings, and um, I get to work out with my kids on Tuesdays, and like so, you know, in the mornings, I'm with my children, and then run over into that and do staff prayer, and then staff prayer into staff meeting, and then staff meeting into other meetings, and it's, you know, 5.30, and I'm checking out here, and I have a 6 o'clock meeting at, at 6, and, you know, all these types of things, and so I'm shutting my door, and I feel the pressure uh, to be good at all of this. And, and out of that, I'm shutting the door and the, the Holy Spirit just speaks to my heart and he gives me this statement. He said, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. And of course, uh, you know, that's a common kind of leadership proverb. It's like everybody thinks they want to be a leader uh, and then you, you have children. <laughs> it's like, how do you have this many places to go and to be dropped off and picked up? And when exactly will you learn how to drive again? Uh, so like all of these, we feel this, this pressure to like govern something, govern a household, uh, govern a work schedule. And, and all the while, like when we're wearing this crown and trying to control, what we're doing is we're trying to control outcomes. 
And so when we're trying to control outcomes, like Thanksgiving will be good. You will get that C and turn it into a B, like control outcomes of like, we will do this and it will increase and it will go higher and we try to control outcomes. I'll change something in the flesh now so that I can have better results in the flesh in the future. Controlling outcomes, this is the head that wears the crown. And like I'm, I'm, I'm shutting my door and the Lord just speaks that to my heart and he asked me this question. He says, why do you still have yours? I'm like, have my what? Your crown. Why do you still have your crown? In Revelation chapter 4, they'll put this scripture up on the screens for us. Watch this in verse 10. The 24 elders, no one really knows who the 24 elders are. Some people say they're, you know, the 12 heads of families of the 12 tribes of Israel and then the 12 disciples. No one knows. But whoever they are, they've got an important position in heaven. Like they have these thrones that they sit on. Uh, It tells us this earlier. And they're decked out with crowns. But there's a moment when Jesus walks in the room. And watch what they do when Jesus walks in the room. The 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, I love this, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. It's it's returning the power of all things back to God. It is you are the author, you are the finisher, and you are the sustainer. Uh, That I'm not controlling the outcomes of this. Like, you are the king. And you're the king of me, but you're also the king of my future. That you hold time in your hands. You are the first and the last. You stand outside of time. And I will take no thought for tomorrow because I know I have a father who affectionately cares for me. And so I cast my crown, I cast my care at your feet. And Father, I'm not going to just continually try to man up or woman up in the flesh to get better results, but what I will do, Father, is understand that through Christ, I can do all things, that everything I need to win in my public place, it is found in my secret place. And so we will carve out time away from all these other things and give ourselves entirely um, uh, to a secret. And I say entirely. Sometimes you say things and it goes too fast. Uh, God does not ask to be only. He asks to be first. And God understands that, that out of this, you have things in your life that are all good. And this is the thing that I wrestle with sometimes, and I was actually talking to the Lord about this last week. Uh, our, you know, on, say, for Tuesday, when I was kind of doing my end-of-the-day kind of wind-down, I look back at it with this in mind of like, how can I cast my crown and spend more time in the secret place? And I looked at my schedule. I'm like, well, you know, Father, there's nothing on my schedule today that was a bad thing. Like it was all good stuff. And honestly, things that you would look at and say, it's not only good, it's necessary. 
Uh, like, it's got to get done in all of these things. And as soon as I said necessary, I knew the Lord had me right where he wanted me. I knew, I'm, as soon as I said it, I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and just in my heart, and this story came up, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. Let's look at it. It's found in the book of Luke. Uh, so let's look at this together. Uh, we'll look at Luke chapter 10 in verse number 38. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. Now, they were traveling along. They is Jesus and the disciples. And he entered into a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Um, So she says yes to this. Sometimes the problem is we say yes to too much. Uh, But Jesus is walking by, and Martha's like, please, come in. And so uh, she's about to add some work, at least in her mind, to her schedule. And so she says yes to this. She invites Jesus into her home. And watch what happens here. She has a sister called Mary, verse 39 who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to the Lord's word. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her to help me. Uh, Now let's just take a, a break right here in the story. Here you see someone very frustrated. Now, I don't know if you have been very frustrated here recently. If you have, perfect. I'm glad you came today. If not, put this on the back burner for when you are. Uh, but here, uh, Martha is incredibly frustrated with people. Uh, and it's almost bleeding over into her frustration with the Lord of like, you see people who could help me right here. Because in her mind, what does she think she needs? More relief in the flesh. You know what I need? More help around here. And if I had more help around here, it would make my life a whole lot easier if everyone would just do their part. Because when we're natural, we think only naturally. And so it's like, you know what I need? I just need less on my plate. Like, and we begin to kind of look at all these natural things that if this was modified and this was changed and we had more help and we had more time and we had more of anything in the natural, if we had more of these things, then life would be where we want it to be. And so in her mind, what does she need? More help in the flesh. I need more out here in order to get everything out here done. I need more time. I need more help. I need more people. We need more money. So she's looking only at her public life for what she needs to fix her public life. And when I get these things met in the flesh, then my public life will win. And everybody will have dinner. And you'll be glad you came to my house, which I invited you in, only causing me more work when I did so. But it's okay because we say yes to everything. Uh, And so out of this, Martha is so frustrated. And she thinks what will make my life easier is something else coming to my public life. Uh, And she says this statement, and I I wrote it in the margin of my body. She's like, I feel all alone. I just, I feel like No one understands what I'm going through right now. Like there are other people in the house, but no one sees my struggle. Um, And she's like, I'm doing this all by myself. Like no one understands really what I'm facing right now. 
No one gets me, no one understands me, no one's listening to me. And she's in this, this, this process of feeling all by herself. She's vexed, she's anxious, she's feeling the pressure. Uh, she's at this place where she's letting other people feel it as well. And this is all kind of playing through her. And Jesus stops her. And watch what he says. But the Lord answered, and he said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. You are worried and bothered about so many things. Will the food be good? And will they like me? Is everybody having a good time? Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Did you like it? You are worried and you are bothered about so many things. And on the surface, we would look at it kind of like I would look at Tuesday and be like, it's all necessary. It's like the house needs to be picked up. Jesus is here. We want to honor him. The food's got to be good. It's Jesus. Uh, Like we want to give him like our best, right? And like all of these things seem necessary. And it's like, well, yeah, I invited him into my home. And maybe, you know, like I did increase my workload when I said that. But like, look at the people who are getting blessed. And like, isn't that necessary? And Jesus's point is that these things are, are, it's not like putting them on the back burner and saying they're not important. What Jesus is saying is, is that all these other things do something typically. They take life from you. And you, in and of yourself, are not an endless supply. You only have so much to give. And if you are are like operating a bank and you have more deposit than you have withdrawal, you've got an overdraft. You've got a problem. And out of this, what we see is there's so much coming from Martha while there is nothing going into Martha that she is running dry, accumulating a debt, and she wants everybody, oh, she wants everybody else in her life to pay the debt that she's accumulating. And Jesus is like, there's really only one thing that is necessary here. And in her mind, it's like dinner? <laughs> and like, like this kind of thing. There's only one thing that's necessary here. And watch what he says it is. He says, you're you're so bothered about so many things, but only one thing, verse 42, only one thing. Do you believe that? When you're making your to-do, today I have to blank. And Jesus is like, wait, do you? There's only one thing that is necessary. There is one thing that everything else hinges on. There is one thing that must be done. And what is this one thing, Jesus? For Mary has chosen it, which is exactly what you wanna hear when someone compares you to your sibling. (laughs) Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Well, what did Mary choose? Verse 39. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. Do you see this secret place moment? And yeah, it's public, but it's still secret. She is sitting at his feet, eyes to eyes with Jesus, listening to his word. This is not, uh, I'll play worship music in the background where I hammer out these emails. 
Um, this, is, this is not like quiet time in the morning with coffee and I'm checking my phone. This is a moment, a moment of undivided attention with the Lord Jesus. Locked into this, this, this relationship with him. And what am I doing? I'm receiving from him. That I, I am not entertaining the Lord. I am receiving from the Lord. That I am here receiving strength from him to run my race. I'm receiving strength from him to have the wisdom for the meeting. I'm receiving strength from him to have patience with the kids. I'm receiving strength from him to have grace for myself. I'm receiving strength from him uh, to be able to take care of all of these needs and all these things that come up in the public place. But the win for the public place is found by the yield in the secret place. And if I will yield to the secret place, Jesus says, I'll show up in your public place and great will be your reward in that arena of life. Uh, I, and, and at our, one of our Fondren services, we were um, just worshiping and my message, just everything changed. And so I got up and I'm like, I just feel impressed to talk about Moses, but not just like Moses, his mom. And his mom has uh, this baby and like apparently like the Bible says he was like an incredibly striking baby, which means like he would have made Instagram for sure, like multiple times of like, look at this child, like all children are beautiful, I know, but Moses... <laughs> Moses was apparently like striking and, and like out of this, Moses' mom is looking at him and there's an edict of like, you can't hold this any longer. In fact, what you're holding will die. And so she knows she can't hold this in her hand any longer. She can't control the outcome. Isn't it funny, like so, so much of, of parental pressure is like controlling outcomes for our children. I'm like, will they serve God? And so let me change this now to fix this later. And like, will they make good grades? And will they make the team? And, and so she sees like, I can't hold this any longer. So she literally takes it out of her hands and puts it in God's. And she has this moment of like, I can't hold this any longer. And I know it pains me to let it go, but I'm putting it in your hands. And you know what God is like? Finally. Because here's the thing, God actually can control outcomes. Like when something is in God's hands, he really can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ever ask or think. His hand really is mightier than yours. And so this is what prayer does, is it takes our pressures and it turns it into prayer. Okay, I'm concerned about this, it's time to pray about this. I'm concerned about this, I want it out of my hands and into God's. I'm not gonna think about it, I'm gonna pray about it. I'm not gonna think about it and process it and spend another day processing it. It's time to hit my secret place in prayer and place baby Moses in the hands of God. Because only God can let you hold your baby and have the one who said they would kill it pay for it. Come on, somebody. Like, God worked this out in such a way that it was so much better than Moses' mom could ever dream of because she took it out of her hands and put it in God's. 
Everything you need for the public place is found in the secret place. Everything you need to win in your public place, it is found in the secret place. There's this quote that's just been so big on my heart lately. I I mentioned it in staff prayer, which now many of those podcasts we're going to be releasing. Um, But I I mentioned it this week. It's by Corey Tim Boom. She said, "If if Satan can't make you sin... He will make you busy. Because both have the same effect. They both take you away from God. When when I'm caught up in sin, my heart becomes hardened. And so God's not able to arrest my heart and get my attention. And so I drift, like the prodigal son, I drift from the father's house. But for so many of us in our modern culture, because now our world, it's all about the public life. I mean, all of, is anything private anymore? I mean, genuinely, is anything private anymore? Like you get a coffee and we know. Uh, you, you work out and we know. <laughs> you know, is anything private? Any, like I grew up in the late 1900s. Um, and in this world where you couldn't be tracked at all times, my daughter went on a youth trip to Atlanta and yesterday I can literally, like she's in Atlanta, I'm here in Jackson, I can see what ride she's on uh, through all the apps I have tracking my children. Uh, like everything that they Google, everything that they watch, I know it. There is no secrets because uh, everything's public. I'm like, I'm, I felt bad yesterday. I'm like, I remember when I could sneak out and no one would know. Uh, like there was no, except by the spirit. Like there was no tracking or Apple tag or find my, you know, all those types of things. We live in a world that all it's thinking about is public appearance. And if I, if I modify that enough, will you like me? Will you approve of me? And we try so desperately to win in the public place, to have kids who win in the public place, an image that wins in the public place, a ministry that wins in the public place a house that wins in the public place, a car that wins in the public place. So much of our time is focused on the public place. And so you know what it makes us? So busy. Our kids are in everything. Everything. They're in here, and this night it's here, and this night it's here, and this morning it's here, and then we get off work and we're here, and then we're here, and we're here, and we're here, and God's like, I know all these things are important, but there is one thing that is necessary. There is one thing that is necessary and that is you having a moment where you break away from all the planned activity and that today you seek my faith. If all we have every week is this and so many people don't even have this anymore. We live so busy, church is optional now. But long before this was optional, there were, you know, how many of us go days without connection to the Lord? Days with no connection to the private place. Days with no connection to the secret place. Because if the devil can't make us sin, he will get us busy. Because sin and busyness both take us away from the Lord. We get so busy. Remember the parables Jesus said? He's like, I'm... 
I'm calling a great feast. Like, I got so much at the table for you. Come, tell them all to come and come. And they're like, I can't. Why? I just bought some land. Got to monitor it. Come, come, come. I got a great feast. Come, come. Can't. Why? I just bought a yoke of oxen. Got to make sure they work, you know? Somebody said, what? I, I, I would come. I would come. But I just got married. And you know, I just got married. And they each one come and give reasons as why they can't come to this secret dinner, to this place of pulling aside and not just seeing the master, but eating his provision that's at the table. And the master's looking, he says, just go call everybody, the halt and the blame. They're like, we brought them all. But yet there's still room. And I think if we could have like this mass return to like the secret place, like a mass return over into, you know what I'm doing before I do anything else? I'm getting in my Bible and I'm saying, speak, Lord, your servant is listening today. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spend some time worshiping instead of worrying. And all of these things I'm thinking about, I'm going to praise the Lord over them because I know God is big enough to cure whatever ails me. That I'm not just going to have cute worship music playing in the background. I'm going to have time where I enter into worship. And I pull away. Watch our Savior in Luke 5. They'll put it up on the screens. Luke 5. On the screens. Verse 15. But the news about him was spreading even farther. And large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. His ministry is expanding and you would see this need of like Jesus, like I got to pray for all of them. I got to go lay hands on all of them. Like I'm only here for three years. Let's get as many of them as we can. But watch, watch the pattern of our Lord Jesus. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. He would often, I love that term, just slip away. It's like, everyone's seeking you. I know. I'm pulling away. To do what? To draw strength. We live in a world where, like, I heard one minister say this. He says, we wonder why we have so little strength for life. And he said, we feed our bodies three hot meals a day, but our spirits one cold snack a week. And how weak would we feel physically if we were, were only eating one little snack a week? But spiritually, what if we could come and say, right in the presence of my enemies, the Lord has prepared a table for me to come and dine and feast. And we go to that table and we open up our hearts and we allow the Lord to speak to us. I want to close with this scripture. It's found in Jeremiah. If you can go over there to it. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 8. What do you need to slip away from? And just pray. Slip away from and just carve out time for the Lord Jesus. Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Thus says the Lord... Maybe this ought to be your text for 2023. 
Thus says the Lord, that's important, (laughs) cursed is the man who trusts in mankind. We could say this, who trusts in himself and makes his own flesh, her own flesh, their strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. The devil can't make us sin, he'll make us busy. Why? We're not facing him. For he will be like a bush in the desert, and he will not see when prosperity comes. What is a bush in the desert? It has no water giving it life from underground. In the unseen world, there's nothing ministering life to it. So in the scene, it's a bush, but it's not growing, it's not producing fruit, and it's not expanding, because in the secret place, there is no life coming to it. So he says it's like a bush in the desert. Uh, It will not see prosperity when it comes, but will live in stony and waste places in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord, for he and she will be like a tree planted by the water that extends, do you see this underground, this secret system that extends its roots by a stream? And will not fear when heat comes. It's not afraid of inflation. It's not afla- afraid of a recession. It's not, it's not afraid of the heat. It does not fear when heat comes. But its leaves will be green. It will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor will it cease to yield fruit. Why? There's something in secret that's sustaining it. I heard this quote this week. Anytime you see life flourishing... It's because it's receiving nourishment from outside of itself. Anytime you see life flourishing, it's because it's receiving nourishment from outside of itself. Uh, In our house right now, we're trying to keep a lot of things alive, most notably our children. Um, And then we have animals (laughs) that we're, we're keeping alive. And also right now, trees. Their trees were having to move outside, inside. They're like potted. And one thing when you see life flourishing, uh, you see it requires life from outside of itself. We just got two guinea pigs uh, because like Martha, we keep saying yes uh, to things. And it's like, why did we say yes to this? Uh, But out of this uh, two guinea pigs, Sherlock and Watson. Um, And um, anyway... Uh, These things are cute, and the kids and my wife love playing with them. And I've noticed that they require a lot of life, just like everything else, from outside of themselves to maintain life. What if one of those guinea pigs got determined and it's like, I'm powering through this week without no outside nourishment. I'll just power through and be the best guinea pig I can be and take all life from in myself to produce victory and life outside myself. They may last, what, two, three days without water and food? It's like, well, I've got water in me, I know, but for how long? Well, I've got, you know, some weight I could lose, I know, but for how long before you wither? 
any life that is flourishing is because it is receiving life from outside of itself. And if you want a life that is flourishing, you need to receive nourishment from outside of yourself. You have to come to a place where you see, I don't want to be a bush in the desert that has no life coming to it. I want to be a tree with roots that go all the way to the river of the spirit and let the droughts and all of that come. I'm not connected to the rains that fall at random. I'm connected to a stream of water that will never run dry. And my roots go all the way to that stream. So bring on the wind, bring on the rain. I'm not afraid of the storm. My house is built on the rock. It's a foundation you can't see. I got something in my secret place that's empowering my public one. I got something I'm doing only before God that's given me victory before everybody else. Get to your secret place. The Lord is our strong tower. Get to your secret place. Paul said, in him I live and move and have my being. What's he saying? He is my secret place. Jesus, when the pressure's on, goes to the garden. Why? Not to find a flower, to find his secret place. Under the shadow of his wings, he covers us. Get to your secret place. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each and every person who's here. And Lord, I just thank you that at all of our campuses and in all of our lives, you're helping us reprioritize our life for the secret place. Father, there is truly only one necessary thing, and that is to sit at your feet and to hear your words Father, let us surrender our lives to that place. And Father, I just thank you that as we go into the secret place, our public place takes on an extra dimension of power. I just hear this in my heart, for it is when you humble yourself that you see more grace. When you humble yourself under the Lord's mighty hand, you'll see a grace come on your life. And the Lord's grace, it'll make it easier for you And there have been things that have been hard for you that you have been losing in your public place. But if you will humble yourself under the Lord's hand in your secret one, that humility will pave the way for more grace in your public one. And you will see the very things that have been hard for you and the very things that you have struggled with. You will see the Lord's grace hit you in those areas. And where you have seen defeat after defeat, you will see victory by the hand of the Lord. For he exalts those who humble themselves. He opens up the doors for those who will bow on their knees. So humble yourself before the Lord's mighty hand and he will give you grace. Father, we thank you in all of our lives we do. We humble ourselves and we yield to your mighty hand. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite all of our campuses to stand.
uh, we're going to end with going to our secret place, uh, going to the Lord in prayer. And I know we're in public, but even though we're in public, we can find that rhythm in the Lord Jesus. And just use this moment as a dedication to just seek him throughout this week. Uh, Put yourself over into a place where you're making a decision to humble yourself and receive his grace. At all of our campuses today, let's worship the Lord Jesus.